Hey, everybody. Welcome to Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and I'm so happy you're here with us. If you're just joining for the first time, I am a special needs mom, a special needs attorney, and a best-selling author. So please grab your coffee, and if you're like me, you might be listening in your car. I spent a lot of time in the car in my day. And please join us for some important discussions to help you thrive in this complex special needs world. Each week, we're going to chat with parents and experts, and sometimes parents who are experts, to offer compassionate advice for all stages of your life. These are the conversations you would have with your best friend if your best friend was an expert like me. Let's go. Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. It's been a while since I've talked to you about what this podcast is all about, so I thought I'd do a little mini review of what we're here to talk about. And I started this podcast as a way to connect and bring information to the community. I'm an attorney, for those of you who don't know me, and I am also, I consider myself a community activist, uh, somebody who is outspoken, maybe not a rebel rouser so much, I guess, um, but somebody who does like to connect people in my community have been known in my community in Massachusetts for a long time, a couple of decades now, probably been practicing law for 25 years. I've been doing other things besides just being a lawyer, though. I do a lot of advocacy work. I volunteer. I work with a number of community organizations. And over the last decade, I've been doing more nationally and I belong to a number of national organizations as well. So one of the things that I noticed when my family was really young was that as I was looking for support for my family, I was a single parent for most of the time that I was raising my two daughters, one who, Elizabeth, who had profound special needs. I did not find it easy to get the supports that we needed either from our government or from our local community. The supports were out there. They were just so um, catch-as-catch-can. You needed to talk to this person and get this little piece of the puzzle and then talk to that person and get that little piece of the puzzle. A lot of the best information I got came from other parents mostly moms, just because that's who I talked to, that's who was around. But I found it very challenging. I found it very lonely. I found it very scary. Of course, 25 years ago, we didn't have the internet like we have today. We weren't connected in this electronic community the way that we are today. And why do I keep saying 25 years? Well, this week marks my daughter's 25th birthday, at least what would have been her 25th birthday. My daughter Elizabeth passed away seven and a half years ago from mitochondrial disease, 
um, which is a degenerative neuromuscular disorder. Unfortunately, it took her life at age 17. It was a tough road for us. Um, not everybody has that same road that they walk with Mito. But for us, uh, from day one, when Elizabeth was born, a 29-week, two-pound preemie, we struggled and had many, many challenges. My daughter Elizabeth was a shining light, a beautiful, beautiful girl, beautiful baby, um, but she was born blind with a preemie birth injury on top of her neuromuscular challenges and struggled from day one with healthcare issues on top of her, um, on top of her uh, cerebral palsy-like challenges as well. Um, being blind, being wheelchair-bound, she was nonverbal and um, profoundly intellectually disabled as well. On top of all that, though, she was a pretty happy kid, and um, she worked real hard at life. And she did bring a lot of joy to people around her. So as I think about her a lot, her birthday, May 31st, um, it's, it's strange how for those of you who've gone through a loss like this, who've lost a child, maybe lost another family member, as the years go by, you start to have people in your life who've never met your loved one who's passed away. And it's surreal. Um, this podcast I started much later after my practice came along and much later after I'd been doing other things in the community because I continued to be challenged in a way to keep bringing information to families like mine who needed the information but needed to get it in many different ways. Not everybody can afford a lawyer. Not everybody needs a lawyer. And not everybody needs to hear me in Massachusetts. And it's not always about what the rules are in Massachusetts or what Massachusetts law has to say. Sometimes we're talking about guardianship in general. Sometimes we're talking about estate planning in general. Sometimes we're talking about federal rules that have to do with Social Security or Medicaid rules in general. Sometimes we're just talking about plain old survival. Sometimes we're talking about raising a kid who's challenged with ADD or dyslexia like we did last week when we talked to Liz Trudeau about being brilliantly dyslexic. What a wonderful interview that was. So I thought, man, I have to do something more I wrote my book about my experiences of raising Elizabeth and having a, a beautiful family and also the challenges of having Caroline and what her sibling experience was like as best I could. I can't speak for Caroline because I don't know her voice, but I did the best I could to represent and wanted to bring that sibling voice to, to bear. You know, I wanted to bring those experiences forward as the mom. So we talk about sibling experiences here as well. So 
I, I wrote and I blogged and I, you know, decided, well, that's not enough because not everybody is reading that stuff as well. And then I thought, yeah, podcasting is becoming very popular. So the podcast was born and another medium was born. And before you know it, we're going to do video too. So we've got our YouTube channel that we've launched and it's slow going, but I'm getting that out there too. So when do I sleep, you ask? Well, not much, believe it or not, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm loving um, talking to all of you, and I hope that you find this all very, um, very worthwhile and that it's helpful, and I think it is because, well, frankly, I get tons of uh, questions and responses, and um, I just uh, keep getting a lot of uh, connections in so many ways from all of you through our circle of care on our Facebook page at specialneedscompanies.com and through our other channels at Twitter and, and LinkedIn and other Facebook connections that we have. So I encourage you to keep connecting with us and I encourage you to keep finding ways to ask those questions to give us your comments, and to keep bringing forward the things that matter to you. So in this mini episode, the mini-sode, I wanted to talk to you about something that has been rattling around in my brain, which is the lessons that we've learned from the pandemic. Now that we are rolling into a, a different phase of living with the pandemic and the changes that have come about because of it, what lessons have we learned? And I know that I've got three that I've been sitting with for a while. And, and the first one is observation. We have been so fortunate. And, and granted, there's been a lot of negative stuff. And we've talked about that for a year and a half. So I'm over talking about the negative stuff. We've done that to death. But here, here's what we've learned and what we can bring forward with us. Observation, what we've seen and what we've been able to see because Zoom has given us a window to the world. We have been able to observe both through school and through adult programming we have been able to observe classroom learning exercises and through programming for adult services. What kinds of things our loved ones, our kids, and our people that we care for are being asked to do? Now, whether this is truly representative of what goes on in the classroom or not, well, we can't be sure and we can't help whether that is truly representative or not because all we can say is it's supposed to be representative. But let's assume that it is representative. Having this window into an observation of the programming has been, uh, for some of us, pretty earth-shattering. 
And it's allowed us to take notes. It's allowed us to really dig in and take a look at how our loved one has responded, how, you know, the lessons go, where things are going well, where they're not going so well, um, and to be able to take data collection even. So I think number one, for sure, positive is observation, power of observation. Number two, collaboration. In a way that has never before happened, we have access and collaboration with teachers, administrators, and directors, and um, all of the staff for day programs and res programs and just, you know, everybody that is programming and caring for our loved ones. And this truly hasn't happened before, where we might get a journal entry if we were lucky. We are now one-on-one with people, FaceTiming, and it's been phenomenal for many of us. So again, we are looking at a new form, a new wave of collaboration where we can directly compare notes. We can see how our person is really connecting with or not connecting with their teacher, their aide, their therapist, their this person, that person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down the line, even with their peers. And this has been an experience that we have never been allowed before and gives us such a unique opportunity to have a say in an equal way We've been told in the past that we're an equal member of every team, an ISP team, an IEP team. That's never really, really been true. It's never really panned out. But now we have the data because of the observation, and truly we have the ability to collaborate. So that brings me to number three, innovation. Because of number one, observation, and number two, collaboration, we now, if people are as excited about this and are creative, we can have innovation. And this is happening. I am seeing this on micro levels in my state and in a few other states. So I would love to know from all of you if this is happening in your state. And I think that it is. It may not be widespread, I'm not sure, but I think that we've all grown tired and exhausted of the same old models of delivering services to 50 or 75 people in a warehouse room with no windows. I know that there are cost prohibitive issues with trying to 
you know, come up with new solutions. And because the pandemic provided or created even more cost barriers to um, programming for adult day services, I know that there's a lot involved here. So I don't want to be too Pollyanna about all of this. However, I am seeing some exciting things when it comes to people coming together in the community, talking about new and innovative models for being able to deliver services to people, especially in the adult communities who have intellectual and developmental disabilities. We don't need to go back to the same way that we've been doing things because we've been able to have that observation, have the collaboration over the last year and a half. We can come up with new things that work and they don't have to cost more. In fact, they probably can have some cost savings associated with them. And we're going to have to get creative because we've lost staff. Through all of this, staff have wandered away and gone and done other things. And it's going to be a while before we get staffed up again. It's going to be a while before we draw people back to this work. I know this for a fact with the people that I'm caring for. I know for a fact that we're having staffing issues at a greater level than ever before in some of the residential placements for people that I am a guardian for, for example, or that I am caring for in one, wearing one hat or another for, let's put it that way. So I want to just give you a little push or a little, you know, seed of encouragement to Think creatively and get together with the other stakeholders in your communities. Now's the time to look at the data you've collected informally through your observations and your collaborations. When you have so many things that have moved, the mountains have moved at this time. The dollars are fungible at this time. Let's take a look at rebuilding differently. Let's not put programs back together in the same way that they've always been. Let's not put school programs back together the same way that they've always been. Let's build new and different IEPs and new and different school programs and new and different adult service programs that really truly honor individualized education and individualized programming the way that it was supposed to be. So this is my little mini-sode, and I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you find that you are seeing these things in your own lives and in your own community, and I really look forward to your thoughtful comments and suggestions and questions. So please let me know what you think. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. 
I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.